Good morning. It's good to be standing in for Pastor Corey this morning as he is away on a well-deserved vacation. Let's open in prayer, shall we? Lord, we praise you because you have given us your word to help us to grow to maturity in the Christian faith. Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would open our hearts and that we would be receptive to your leading in our lives. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. Here Paul is concluding his first letter to the believers in Corinth, and he gives these five positive yet powerful commands. And so hear the word of the Lord. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. I'll read that again. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. The Apostle Paul wrote the uh, book of 1 Corinthians to correct the church for straying away from his teaching. They had a lot of problems in the church. What was Paul's desire for the believers in Corinth? Paul wanted them to behave in unity with each other. He wanted them to honor and respect church leadership. He wanted them to confront unrepentant sin that would damage the integrity of the church, to resolve disputes within the body of believers without taking other believers to court, to practice sexual purity, to partake in the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner, to use spiritual gifts in an orderly way in humility, having love as their motivation when they use those spiritual gifts, to show spiritual maturity, and to maintain correct theology. The five commands in verses 13 and 14 summarize Paul's letters, letter to the believers. Obedience to these five commands in the church uh, by the power of Christ enable them to be effective and to thrive in troubled times. In the first four commands, Paul is using military imagery. Some people would say that hymns like Onward Christian Soldiers uh, soldiers of Christ Arise, or even the Gettys song, uh, O Church Arise, are too warlike. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul often uses military imagery, the metaphor of the soldier in his epistles, to stress the difficulties in the Christian life. Military service requires hard work, dedication, unquestioning trust in leadership, obedience to commands, Discipline, fitness, bravery, these don't come naturally. And even for us as believers, we find that they come only through training in the word and through experience. In the Christian faith, we wrestle against principalities and powers, and we contend for the faith. We have specialized defensive equipment and weapons using the whole armor of God. And we battle in a life and death struggle against a vicious enemy. Paul's use of military imagery gives us as believers notice that the Christian life is to be taken seriously. God has given us directions and commands in his word and these are faithfully taught to us. 
we have the responsibility to carefully absorb what we've been taught. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of God's word. And we have direct communication with God through prayer. With Christ as our light, our sight is sharpened, giving us a keen sense of awareness. The verse, first command that we see in verse 13 is to be watchful. Imagine, if you will then, what the watchful soldier of Christ looks like. They're careful, they're diligent, not haphazard. They don't have a lax, casual attitude of whatever. The watchful soldier of Christ is not distracted. We don't want anything to catch us off guard or trick us. We don't want to be caught by surprise. We are awake and alert, not spiritually daydreaming, sleepy, lazy, or sluggish. We're at full attention and ready to respond to any attack from the enemy. The watchful soldiers of sound mind, not under any other influences from the world. Our thoughts are focused on protecting ourselves and other believers in our church. So here then is the question. Since we're to be watchful, what are we watching for? We're told in scripture, first of all, to be alert for the return of Jesus Christ. And maybe in these times with COVID, with world events, some believers are even more watchful than they used to be. In Philippians, we read that our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Isn't that something worthy of waiting and watching for, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ? And in Titus we read that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so while we're waiting, we're training. We're training in holiness so that we're ready for Christ's return. Next, we should be watching and alert for sin in our lives. Am I alert and watching for this effective sin in my life? We pray to God to search us and reveal our sin through the light of his word so that we can confess and turn from our sin. Continuing in sin sears our conscience, conscience and we lose remorse for sin and we lose our sense of guilt. We're more vulnerable to repeat sin if we're not watching out for it. Sin hurts our relationship with others and it damages our testimony to um, to other believers. Our relationship with God is affected because of sin. Prayer and focus on scripture become more difficult. Continuing sin grieves the Holy Spirit, impacting our growth to maturity. And sin destroys our joy and peace with Jesus Christ. In Hebrews it says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Next, we're to uh, be alert, watching to resist the deception of the devil. And in 1 Peter, we've got this picture, be sober-minded, be watchful. 
Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. What is a roaring lion like? Well, it's hiding in the bushes, sneaking around, looking for easy prey, looking for an opportunity. And then the roar is a cause, what causes fear. And so we're to watch for the devil. He prowls around, he sneaks around, looking to deceive. How do we resist him? Of course, in Ephesians we read, we put on the whole armor of God that we can stand against the schemes or the wiles or the tricks of the devil. The devil is deceptive, hiding who he really is. Another thing we're watching or alert for is temptation. These are enticements of the world and the flesh that seem so attractive to us. Jesus' words in Matthew and Luke at the Garden of Gethsemane are watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So even Jesus had to warn Peter and John as they prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane to watch out for temptation. Another thing to be alert for or watchful for is doctrinal error. Would you know doctrinal error when it is preached or taught? Would we alertly recognize twisted words and tales intended to tickle our ears? How well do we know the truth? What questions would you ask to help you decide of truth against error? What responses would you be waiting to hear that would sound the alert and ring the alarm bells to warn of an attack on the truth? So first of all, you might ask, what is someone's opinion of Scripture? Do they feel that Scripture is all of God's word, truth without error? How does that person describe Jesus Christ? Was he full, uh, do they believe he's fully God and fully man? In the verb, do they believe the virgin birth, his perfect and miraculous life, death, resurrection and ascension, and Christ's coming again? Do they agree with the biblical definition of sin as it's described and come and um, uh, as it's described in God's word? Does the person understand the gospel of Jesus Christ? How to be saved and receive the gift of eternal life? By grace through faith, there's nothing we can do to deserve salvation. If someone says they're a believer, are they showing the fruit of righteousness? Are their actions consistent with their knowledge and emotions? The Bible says you shall know them by their fruit. Listen to this warning from Acts. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. So here the picture is that false teachers will come in as fierce wolves seeking uh, to not spare the flock. And so we're to be watchful for that. So the things we're watching for, Christ's return, sin in our lives, Satan's deception, temptation, and doctrinal error. The second command in these verses 
is to stand firm in the faith. I don't want to have weak or wobbly knees. I don't want to stumble or waver or fall. I want to be impossible to knock over. The person firm in the faith is well-grounded, planted, anchored, established, and mature. Being built on the rock instead of the stand and instead of the sand. What is the faith that Paul is talking about here? It's doctrine. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul's teaching. Paul clearly defines the gospel in the previous chapter of 1 Corinthians, in uh, chapter 15, where it says in verse 3, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And so there you see the gospel in a nutshell. And really, you see the person of Jesus Christ. You see the cross as necessary for our redemption, for the forgiveness of sins. You see the miraculous in Christ's resurrection. And you see prophecy fulfilled when it says these things were done according to the scriptures. But here in a nutshell is the pinnacle of our belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and also of the death that he died on our behalf. We don't want to be carried about by every wind of doctrine. And a few weeks ago, I don't know if you remember from Hurricane Laura, television reporters that were trying to stand in the wind as it was coming up, the hurricane force winds. And you know, as the winds increased, it was becoming impossible for the stand them to stand and they were wavering around where they were and the last time I saw a picture there was a news reporter that was hanging on to a stairway rail as tight as they could so that they would not move the picture I want to say there is how we should be grasping on to scripture grasping on to gospel so that we can stand firm in the previous chapter also we read in uh, chapter 15 verses 1 and 2 now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And then again we read in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Paul reminded the Corinthians to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Standing firm didn't mean standing still while we are awaiting for the Lord's return. The believer is to be kept busy, not idle, but abounding in the work of the Lord. And this reminds us of Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Look at what our task is while we're to stand firm. We're to make disciples, love, do good works, encourage, we continue to labor. This is what we're to do while we wait for Jesus.
So the first command was be watchful. The second command was stand firm in the faith. Now the third command says act like men. (coughs) Soldiers going into combat have traditionally been men. Times have changed, but back uh, back not that long ago, that's the way it was. The thought behind these words is that of fortitude, bravery, courage, and also maturity of the church. But really, this applies to all Christians, doesn't it? Fortitude and maturity. Note that the word there is men and not men and not man. It's plural. The word is plural, and as believers stand firm, we do so together with boldness and courage. In unity, the church of Christ is knit together, joined together by God. We rely on each other in the battle. In Deuteronomy, we read the words from Moses before his death as the people of Israel were to cross the Jordan River and enter the promised land. Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So we know that in God's grace, he never leaves us. Although you may have not faced outright persecution in your lives as a believer, perhaps you still have experienced the cost of believing the gospel of Jesus Christ in your social circle. Maybe old friends no longer follow you on social media because of your stand. Family reunions may be awkward. When you enter the lunchroom at work, it suddenly becomes silent. Maybe you've been ridiculed. Have you been looked over for a promotion or not invited to events as a result of your faith? Standing firm in the faith is difficult. I have to admit, even myself, I've been guilty of trying to avoid the ridicule, of not taking a stand at times against sin as I should, and of not sharing my faith as I should. The spiritually brave or courageous are not overwhelmed by fear and never hesitate to maintain the truth. They're willing to confront sin in a way that is gentle and respectful. This was a problem that Paul called out in the Corinthian church. Sin was running rampant, and they were not taking action, afraid to offend, and that detracts from the credibility of the church. Not being afraid means to stand firm for Christ and his gospel, whatever it might cost us. (coughs) The other thought behind the words act like men is that of the believer striving toward maturity. We see this idea in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 20 where it says, brothers, do not be children in your thinking, but be infants in evil. But in your thinking, be mature. The believers were not maturing. They were being too long at the baby stage and not listening to Paul's teaching. In Colossians, Paul writes that his goal was that he would present everyone mature in Christ. In Ephesians, we read that we're to grow to mature manhood, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and being carried by every wind of doctrine. What happens if you're on a ship and the waves are huge? The ship could run into the hazard of rocks. The ship could run aground. The ship could sink. And we want to be careful and mature 
not being swayed by beliefs that are contrary to the Bible. The fourth command we see in these verses is be strong. As a soldier of Christ, we know that we can't rely on our own power. He strengthens us as we discipline ourselves. And those disciplines involve study of the word and prayer. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual strength through our spiritual exercise. In Ephesians 6, we're told the soldiers to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. He is our strength. And it reminds me of what we would call the children's hymn, Jesus Loves Me, where it says, I am weak, but he is strong. This hymn wasn't just written for children, even though we often associate that. We are all little ones. We are all God's children. And we know from Acts 1 verse 8, it says that we will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And in 2 Thessalonians, it says, The Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. The fifth command, and I think Paul would stress that this is the most important command, is let all that you, be, that let all that you do be done in love. How are we to love? Well, it's true that we're to love Christ, who died for us and gave himself for us, and uh, love the blessed hope that we have because he's coming again. We could also say that we should love our neighbors, we could say that we should love our enemies because scripture tells us that. But I believe to be true to the context of 1 Corinthians, Paul is reminding believers to love one another within the context of the church. Paul is balancing out our life as a soldier of Christ, reminding us that as we do these other things, we also need to be loving. A soldier that loves those they are assigned assigned to fight with. So we're assigned to fight um, alongside each other against the enemy. If it's our desire to be an effective, thriving church, we want the community to observe the love that we have for each other. Paul teaches us about properly loving each other throughout this book as he's trying to correct the church. That the body um, be perfectly joined together that we discipline those in the church involved in a sinful lifestyle in love and a spirit of gentleness. We warn those that we love. That we settle disputes among ourselves. That we not allow our freedom in Christ to cause a weaker believer to stumble. That we lovingly support those who shepherd the flock. And that we seek each other's well-being above our own. We want to be a 1 Corinthians chapter 13 church. It's beautiful as a wedding chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. But I believe it's even more beautiful when we realize it's written to teach the church about love within the body. Here is how Paul describes love between believers. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love 
never ends. And it's great that as we love each other in a church, then it's a picture of what heaven is going to be like. As we look over these five commands, there's been a few word pictures that I would just like to remind you of at this time. First of all, being the watchful soldier, alert, trained in the truth of Scripture, having an unquestioning trust in God as our leader. The picture of the roaring lion realizing that Satan is out to deceive us at every turn. The picture of fierce wolves that were to watch for false teachers, that we should know our scriptures, our theology well enough that as soon as a false teacher comes on the TV, the radio, the internet, in a book, we can say, ooh, that doesn't go up with scripture when we test it. We want to be, um, look at the picture of the hurricane report and realize that we want to stand firm. We don't want to fall or stumble. And so we're going to grasp onto our scripture as hard as we can so that we're not moved. Remembering the picture of the wind-tossed ship, not moving towards the rocks or running aground or sinking, but being mature and standing firm. Remembering the children's hymn, Jesus Loves Me. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. And also we want to remember that we should be a loving 1 Corinthians 13 type of church. I love this quote that I read from A.W. Tozer recently. A scared world needs a fearless church. I'll repeat that. A scared world needs a fearless church. And we can be a fearless church because thanks to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the victory because of your death and resurrection. Thank you for the blessed hope that you are coming again. Lord, we pray that you would please come quickly. But in the meantime, Lord, we ask for strength. We want to be soldiers that faithfully obey your commands. Help us to be watchful. Forgive us, Lord, when we fail due to fear, for not trusting in you and doing things in our own strength. Lord, we want to grow mature, to be blameless at your coming. Lord, we desire to study your word, to be a people of prayer, and to love our brothers and sisters. For you alone are worthy of all praise. In Jesus' name, amen.